It can be argued that the history of the spectating spectacle begins with the history of sport and not with the histories of theater or of traditional religion. And I make this argument because in the Paleolithic era, about 173,000 years ago in the cave paintings of Lascaux, France, we see some of the earliest symbolic representations of what appeared to be images of sprinting and wrestling. I believe this to be more than just grandstander graffiti. You can call this grandstander scorekeeping, witness-bearing of sorts. At Grandstand, we repeatedly spent our conversations on the teetering line that divides the stage of the playing field and the grandstand, in the blurred in-between, you could call it. What we're more or less trying to mean to say is that the gradation of fandom that spans from casual observer to fanatical mark without leaving the performers out as well, shares one thing in common. We are all accomplices, participants in the theatrical concert of the spectating spectacle. And without the grandstand, game and sport would be but mere activities to pass the time. The ancient Greeks referred to theater as the theatron. The, the theatron was a place for performing and representing the sacred mysteries. Think of the sacred mysteries as religious ritual. And because common folk uh, could not engage in religious ritual, uh, they would go to the theatron to watch representations of, of the sacred mysteries. The theatron, theatron derives from the word theoma, which means to spectate. And in poetics, Aristotle speaks of the theoma of the sacred mysteries of it being a necessary device for the spectating masses, for common citizens to bear witness to ritual performance of the supernatural, of the phenomena associated with divinity, religious ideology, mysticism, of the philosophical or religious communion. The theater of the sacred mysteries, of course, didn't require religious initiation on behalf of the spectator. There was no need for ritualistic procession. It didn't require the spectator to fast or to drink the kaikian. The, the kaikian was a spiritual elixir made mostly of water, barley, uh, other substances, wine, grated cheese. It was thought to be psychoactive, a compounded brew for inducing spiritual awakening. It's important to note that, they, that this elixir was drank by the common folk, but not for religious, not for religious uh, awakening. It was just drank to get drunk. And it's also interesting to point out that in the contemporary grandstand, it's the, the, the grandstanders in inducing themselves, uh, and the performers, of course, they induce themselves with something else, but not with the spiritual elixir. Booze is a big part of grandstanding, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Aristotle also said that because it did resemble the sacred mysteries, it was thought to bring about purification and healing to the spectator solely by means of observation. Grandstanding as a form of soul cleansing. At Grandstand, we constantly talk about the spectating spectacle as a means of soul cleansing, a safe place to engage in tantric ritual, <clears throat> religious participation in a safer environment with a less severe uh, dogmatic uh, bent, a, a place uh, for lashing out against the symbols of authority, the umpire, the ref, the stage for vulgar pronouncements, uh, to make vulgar pronouncements, and a place for disassociating from the rehearsed and practiced monotony of our mediated lives. Purification through observation, just like the Greeks.
the story of religion, of theater and of sports, is the story primarily of the spectating spectacle and of the power of grandstand or devotion to make ritual out of our obsessive pastimes. Because there's something about observation that transforms activity into sacrament, where performer and observer meld into one, making it difficult to tell who really is guiding the performance. When this happens, all activity, whether it be art, politics, eating, religion, and games, they all become more than just ceremonies of idiosyncratic habit. They become something grander, something with a life of their own. They become spectacle. Greetings, grandstanders! Welcome to an inchoate edition of Grandstand Podcast. Today, we are going to wrap up season two. Where we, I think we've said this was the last episode before the last episode. And anyways, the, the, we, we keep saying it's the last episode, but this really is the last episode of the season. We probably won't be back till, till, uh, till fall, sometime around October. Um, and before I introduce the professor, I wanted to talk about a few things that I don't know if grandstanders are aware of, and, and that is, number one, did, did, did grandstanders, do you know that we have a website? It's just, uh, yeah, uh, grandstandpodcast.com, and that on that website, we have a, a, a blog, but I don't think, do we refer to it as blogs now, uh, professor? Don't they have a new fancy name? Uh, journal? A, a journal, uh, although we call it blog on the website. We have a website with entries and um in the interim while you wait for season three we will definitely be putting up more uh, more content up on that so so make sure you check it out and stay tuned uh, stay connected you can also send us an email if you have a question or if there's things maybe you think we you want us to talk about we have a we have a um, an email account uh just it's grandstandpodcast at gmail um we also have we have i don't know if grandstanders know this but we have a, a creative or artistic director who is responsible for uh, some of the amazing images that you see, the pencil drawings and, and kind of just the general direction, the aesthetic of, of what we like to talk about. And we, we do from time to time post things on Instagram. So we, we also, we, we don't do Twitter because I, I still don't understand how Twitter works, but uh, I'm, I'm slowly figuring out Instagram. But you can check out some really cool images that we post up on that. Um, so yes, we have, we have an awesome... Um, Artistic director Sarah Horserider, who was a, a a guest on one of the episodes for this season, and also the the editing, the 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 person behind making sure that we that I don't sound so long winded and and out of sorts is of course the professor. He is responsible for making sure this 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 thing is is coherent and and it comes off sounding not as uh, as pedantic as 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 maybe possibly it, it sounds before we cut it cut it down. So just wanted everyone to know that uh, this is the final episode. We will be back in October. We're uh, going to go on vacation on a cruise, 
and 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 we'll be sending dispatches from the cruise. So let me introduce my partner in crime, the professor, checking in from New York. How are you, professor? Good, good. I'm I'm learning. Um, you forgot to mention. Um, in 2017, we'll we'll have a Snapchat going. Oh, that's right. Uh, we're we're currently working on we're brainstorming this what we're gonna do with Snapchat. Uh, first thing we're gonna do is find out what the fuck Snapchat is, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, also, look for a publication of of uh, an actual a hard copy of some of the writings and some of the some of the essays and some of the images uh, coming out sometime in the winter, maybe in December, if we get it all together. Uh, anything else? Did I miss anything, Professor? That'll be a um, great stocking stuffer. Excellent stocking stuffer. Um, we're also looking to have a, a grandstand party sometime in late August, early September, uh, here at the Grandstand Studio. So if you're in the if you're in Southern California, the professor's coming out to Southern California, right? Yeah, man, I'll I'll fly out for a grandstand party. I was thinking maybe for that party we'll have a, just a we'll release a a uh, just a maybe a, a simple uh, Q and A with the professor and the pontificator on the. Just the, the the wonder, yeah, the panel, the wonder of, of, of grandstanding and grandstand podcast. But let's get into today's episode. Unless, Professor, anything you have to report there from the ground? Um, just excited to, to be out there to go to the, back to the West Coast. Um, hopefully we can put it as a, if, if that's the case, um, I can put it down as a travel expense for the investors to pay for it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and and maybe because we're gonna we're gonna be doing some grandstanding while you're out here, uh, maybe catch a catch a few ball games, uh, uh, maybe do a little excursion down to Tijuana, and ca- catch some uh, catch some soccer, and then and then uh, go to the ponies. So maybe we can write all of that off. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, so let's get into today's episode. Uh, Professor and I have been slowly uh, guiding and meandering because we took a few pit stops to talk about other things not related to non-mainstream sports or to what is a sport. But we kind of figured that uh, after talking about boxing and horse racing and uh, lacrosse and rugby and and I think we we, we, we started out with the idea of, of walking as the first major spectator sport in America. What what, it, what we really, I think, finally learned was that we're dealing with an issue of semantics, right, Professor? Yeah. As far as is something an activity, something a sport, something a, a, I think we're, we're I think we we're we're pretty clear on what makes a spectacle. All right, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I think in the in the ushers roundtable, um, yeah, I I, th- I think there's a, a good understanding of of what a spectacle is as to what makes a sport. I don't think we've ever and probably ever will come to a definitive conclusion on that because once you get deeper into it it it, it kind of it the argument starts to dissolve when you start talking about well what what really constitutes competition right yeah i mean there's some there's there's a few things that that make it that kind of complicate that that question um but but in the end you know the, the the larger question is well why are we even uh, what does it matter? Um, and it seems more than anything, it it, it makes for a fun, <laughs> makes for a fun activity. It makes for a fun, um, uh, like exercise of 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 how to categorize something. How do we define something? Um, but but in the end, yeah, like you said, it, it's it it really uh, it really just comes down to, to semantics as to what what we decide 
and that's I think one of our things is w- the grandstanders. We're the ones who 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 give give all these games and activities labels. So um, the ones that we decide to label as sports, um, uh, it's pretty arbitrary. It's pretty arbitrary, especially because I think grandstand makes you know we 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 don't hide the fact that we are are what we would call uh, grandstanders that grandstand some of the more traditional sports, right? Some of the more, uh, I guess you could call mainstream sports. Yeah. It is just about, uh, well, it's about a, a being in the grandstand and experiencing the furor, the, 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 um, the anxiety and the passion of, of following a team and just waiting to see if there's, they're going to win or lose. One of the things that I think we didn't really get into, we did, but I think we maybe mentioned it briefly during lacrosse or I forget what episode, but there's also the, the as far as one, first question is, is it possible to protect your sport? I mean, you simply can't just say don't attend or, or, or you know, tell people not to uh, attend your sport or, or, or make sure your sport doesn't sell out so that it doesn't get co-opted by uh, the corporation. That's one. Number two, and I'm using the corporation as like a symbol for capitalism or the market, but is it really that simple? Obviously not. But what can a grandstander do to kind of uh, re- uh, retain some of the heritage elements of the sport, even though they don't really ever go away? And I use baseball as an example. Baseball still baseball. It's still the same game, but it really is not, uh, not from my perspective in the grandstand. And number two, so there's definitely the money that makes a, the business side of it, but there's also the, the cultural aspect of it, the, the socio-political aspect of it. Our fads and the things that we get into, they're, they're a response to kind of the, the neurosis of the society at the time. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And, that, and that, I think, that I think can obviously influence where the money goes, but isn't, isn't, that, isn't that a big, huge part of, of something becoming mainstream and, or, or something being deemed a sport, going from activity to sport to, to a spectacle? I always say that if your hobby has a magazine dedicated to it, it's a spectacle. Um, you know, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I just think it's funny that one of the things I love about America and capitalism is that there's a magazine about everything. And if there's a magazine about it, there's, 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 there's probably a podcast for it. What were you going to say? Yeah, and it, well, it, there, there's two. We talked about this in the last episode. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is storytelling, and um, that that connects with people. And so, if if you're the ones, the sports that have every sport has the, has the potential for that, but it's which ones are resonating with. Um, for one, they resonate with our more instinctive, more universal tendencies, just as like the animals that we are. Um, so that's why, like, fighting and wrestling is such right. a, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it appeals to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, the, the sports that are more mainstream, they tend to, they have to be culturally relevant enough to, like, to pierce through um, into people's em- emotional cords, you know, in, in the way that, that, you know, the stories that are being told uh, within those sports. And, and, and that's why, so... Clearly, you know, there's why the NFL, why American football is so popular amongst Americans. I mean, there, there are cultural reasons for that. You know, just look at the, the George Carlin 
right? The whole football, right. baseball thing. I mean, that that right. kind of ex- does a, a great job of explaining that. So, so there's the there's that. I mean, just the, the the whole society, you know, the 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 collective society, and we're going off of that example that we've talked about often here on Grandstand. Uh, that I think during the first couple episodes we discussed how baseball went from, or United States went from a a, a baseball um, spectating nation to a football spectating nation, and then we're I think we've kind of argued that it's it's slowly going to become a basketball spectating nation, right? I think so. And 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 we've attributed some of that to the fact that it's uh, the the future of sports will be driven by the millennial market, right? Yep, just the, the 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 incoming generations. And is it because that and going off of the cultural uh, discussion, is it because a millennial market uh, has an openness or comes from uh, is is standing on the on the shoulders of of a of a society that that was was ready was being primed for accepting basketball as his next mainstream sport versus say what everybody else in the world has as mainstream, which is soccer. Why, why basketball? Why basketball here? And we haven't talked about basketball because we'll, we're definitely going to get to that because um, I just don't understand it. Uh, and I'm not talking about the game or, or the cultural phenomenon that it's become. I, I just, I'm really fascinated by what is moving basketball into the upper echelons of the sport, uh, spectating spectacle. What, what do you think of that, Professor? Um, well, I think there's like the, the, there's the gameplay stuff mm-hmm. involved, right? Like the the, mm-hmm. the, the the elements within the game. So it's mm-hmm. um, it's fast paced and, and and it's exciting and um, uh, there's a lot of scoring. So the, 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 there's there's all of all of that um, involved. Um, but I think even just you know a big a big uh, contributor to to sports. Uh, being mainstream or not is also just on the organ organizational level. Um, yeah, great I mean point. The, the 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 history. I forget what the original soccer um, organization was that that we had in America, like in the like early 1900s, uh-huh. um, uh, early to mid 1900s, um, and whatever it was, like the American Soccer Association or something. Um, uh, they they. At least uh, there's a, a great historian. Uh, I think it's Andre. Uh, his last name is Markovitz, um, and and he he writes a lot about you know why soccer hasn't made it and uh, why it's not popular in the United States. And and one of the big reasons is just or, as an organization that the soccer leagues just were not were not well well ran, and 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 they kind of blew blew a, a couple on multiple occasions. They 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 blew it. Um, the NBA, if we look at the way the NBA is, is, is operated today, um, pretty damn great. Right. And, um, and, and the NFL, on the other hand, uh, pre- exceptionally well as well, but a good organization. But, but, um, but now they're having to deal with a lot of controversy, a lot of controversy that the NBA is not dealing with. You know, so you have the NFL dealing with all the CTE stuff and, and all the shadiness with 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 withholding information and and you know all that that's going on. And then you have the NBA um which uh just recent what was the most they did they did something really progressive like a couple weeks ago. Do you remember what that was? And I'm 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 blanking on Well, I, they did well, they they took away the All-Star game from North they Carolina. Took, they, yes, there you go. They took away the yeah, they um Right, or so South Carolina. They they pulled uh, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. 
pulled the All-Star game because of the whole, um, the issues with, you know, the North Carolina's right. uh, policies on just, just their, their, their relationship with the, 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 the climate of LGBT uh, right. tensions going on there. Um, that's huge. That, that, that to me was, was just a, like a, a symbolic um, example of the NBA being reinforcing what we've been saying about the NBA climbing to being the number one sport. Um, and just, they're doing all the right things right now when it comes on a cultural level. Um, um, while the NFL, not so much, the NFL is going in a direction where middle-class parents are going to start shaming each other for allowing, (laughs) allowing their kids. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like cigarettes. We, we said that a million times. Yeah. I was going to say that, uh, well, uh, sports reflect the, the neurosis or the society or the demographics, and we're talking about football versus basketball. Uh, you know, if, if baseball is, is our grandparents, you know, they, 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 you know, they fought in the, they fought in the great war and the world war one and two and, and, and the, the kind of the values associated with the, the influx of immigrants at the turn of the century, uh, baseball kind of reflected those metaphors and it lingered late into the 50s and 60s. And then football came around and football is the boomers, right? The baby boomers, yeah. right? And, and, and like what you were saying is, 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 is basketball maybe as an organization is, is much more shrewdly uh, managed and that's why it's been so successful. And I would have to agree with that because one of the things we mentioned was uh, with boxing, one of the issues that we thought could uh, ameliorate the situation with regard to them losing uh, – Grandstanders is that they don't have an, a governing body or a commission, right? Yeah, like one single unifying uh, body that says these are the rules. This is how we're gonna kind of play. But and of course, boxing wants to keep it that way because otherwise, you couldn't. It couldn't be the spectacle that it is now, right? Right. But um, but that's boxing. Uh, so yes, the importance of having a, a well-run. Uh, institution that that kind of backs up all the, the the participants the teams or the individuals but um i want to i want to say something about the so then basketball of course would be generation x the millennials right yeah so you can look at the sports and the, and i know that this is just kind of i mean it, it's easy to, it's easy to it's easy to to kind of like the horoscope it's easy to draw pull out uh Examples as to why these things reflect you as an individual, or as, a, or in this case, the, an entire generation. Um, but the the boomers are, are are always talking shit about the millennials, and and sometimes I'm talking shit about millennials. And NFL is is an institution that is kind of operating on its on its uh, on the fact that it was able to pick up a lot of booty after the after baseball kind of left the sporting empire uh, vacant, right? And and NFL came in, football came in. wasn't the NFL yet, uh, but it's it quickly became the NFL when the two leagues uh, came together. But they were able to capitalize on a market that was basically untapped, and they 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 generated so many customers, so much income, so much that it's now like the boomers. They're standing on on the on the uh, looting. Of of uh, the American uh, capitalist uh, uh, system, society, and now even if it's even if it's bloated and big and fucking destructive, it's going to be a long time before it gets dethroned, right? Just kind of like the boomers uh, when they talk about you know, hey, you should um, you should buy a house, 
and I always laugh because I think I can't. Well, you already own all the houses. The boomers own all the fucking property. And two, they didn't leave a shit. They fucking spent all the money, and they're just kind of like, oh, well, uh, go to college. Um, do, do uh, I don't know, be great. Work hard. And uh, it, it's not the reality that we're currently a part of, right? And maybe something about basketball later as we move along and we we get to know basketball better on a sociological level. And I'm, I'm sure there's already lots of it out there. I just I just haven't explored it. But maybe basketball will explain some of the some of the 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 angst of 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 our generation and and kind of alluding to that idea of of what I just said that the boomers. The boomers are, are standing on top of, of some serious looting that they did uh, after the wars, and and as is the NFL. And now you've got this nimble organization. Maybe the NBA is 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 telling us something about where the future of uh, the economic future of of let's just say America is going to be. I've been watching the Olympics, and I, I watched. I left the. the I'm watching still on the television, not on the computer. Uh, but I, I left the TV on just with the bunny ears, and basically there were sports on all day. But it was it was just like fragments of a of a competition, right? So they show me like the the women's uh, hundred meter butterfly or something. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And then and then that race would be over, and then it cut to women's volleyball, and they would do like one set, and then they'd cut to uh, uh, cycling, and then they do like twenty minutes of that, and then they cut to commercial, and then they cut to uh, some 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 guy gymnast on the uneven bars. And I thought, oh my god, this actually would be the the greatest spectator sport of all is is um just 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 show just have people competing in Olympic types of games, and just it, it's perfect for the millennial generation. It's it's just like little tidbits of it. It's not like an entire an entire uh, uh, piece of theater where you have to watch from beginning to end. You're just watching segments. You just cut in on different segments. Um, it was kind of engaging in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Olympics, people get in. I mean, and that's a really fascinating um, uh, question is, is why is it that, um, why is it that during the Olympics, the, the three highest rated events, and so they they look at the amount of spectators and the number of like TV uh, TV and web viewers it attracts, mm-hmm. um, and also they even look at the the it, w- the the International Olympic Committee measures this, mm-hmm. um, and they base it on those things. So the amount of spectators, uh, the the TV and web traffic, and then and then on the um, uh, they 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 also try to measure satisfaction level of the viewers. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in measuring those things, the the three most popular. Can I try to guess? Yeah, yeah. Uh, gymnastics. Uh huh. The racing, like the 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 uh, the like the the sprinting. Uh, yep. And uh, swimming. There it is. Right. So, um, in and in order, so athle- so, and they 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 categorize it by um. Um, athletics, so so what you're talking like the racing, so track and field events, um, um, aquatics, so you so swimming, um, in the different types of swimming events, and then gymnastics. Why is it that during the the Olympics and and, and people like get into this right? Like it's a, right. it's a big deal. 
Um, why are they more popular than, say, soccer? Right? Hmm. If, if supposedly, if soccer supposedly is the sport that people love more than any, you know, that's the, the, the global sport. Um, and, and um, or, or basketball, you know, the, the, so, so we have the mainstream sports, right? And main, they're mainstream because most people enjoy them. Um, but yet when the Olympics come around, it's the gymnastics and the and the swimming and um, and the race and the foot racing that that people are more that more people are drawn to. Would the easy answer be that it only happens every four years, so there's enough time to build anticipation? Uh, that's yes. I think that's like the most. That's that. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, because you you don't you don't get it that often. Um, so then the the other question is. You know, is, is that a way to measure the true popularity of a sport? Is 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 it's 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 stamina, so to speak? Like, um, great if, question, right? excellent question. If that, it, wow, yes. If you if you tell if you showed if you try to shove track and field down people's throats all year round, you know, by after a month would they be like, okay, this shit's boring, right? <laughs> but you but you can do that with soccer. Yes. There it is, folks. That's it. Fuck you. We're out of here. That's it. We've answered the question. That's really the only reason we wanted to have this last podcast. Um, uh, that was beautiful, Professor. All right. Stamina. Um, I, I do want to talk about a few more things, but that's is that what we're looking at here? It could be. I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think that opens... I, I haven't put too much thought into it. Maybe... maybe um, Maybe there's a, a, some wrenches we could throw into that, but um, but yeah, I think it's it's something to ponder. Yeah, that that is. I was as you're saying that you you I was thinking. Well, would would it would 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 a uh, a season long uh, a season long a season full of uh, of of Sunday after Sunday watching people race each other? How many times can I watch Usain Bolt win another race? Right. Right, um, would that be sustainable? And, and I'm thinking no. And then, but then you you bring up this issue of stamina, and I think that's that is absolutely it. Uh, well, it is for me currently at this moment that that it's um yeah, it would be hard to sustain attention to uh, Michael Phelps winning over and over again, or or just watching a swimming competition over and over, right? Right. Even if you switch the characters around and you, and you added all the, the the typical elements of the sport narrative, would it would be difficult to follow? Don't you think? Well, or are I, we just I, are we just like are we just are we just compelled to say that because we're not we we don't see what that reality looks like? Exactly. Yeah. That that's what I th- I, I think I think, um, and and that's why you know to 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 tie this into the whole like us having these discussions over well is it an activity is it a sport um i think any i think sport is just the label we put on on things that that are popular like that's that's a way our right. way, that's our way of saying like yeah this is badass and and a way of saying something is like eh, like a way to scoff at something is by saying that nah, not a sport um but but i think that you can you can get a uh, a mass of people, a, a, a society's people, to get into to swimming or racing. Um, in, if you include all those, what you said, you know, all those those external narratives. So, if you can make the the stories um, compelling, um, 
at the same time, while I'm saying that, I'm already kind of thinking to myself, no, wait, I think I disagree with what I just said because, um, because no, maybe it comes down, maybe those, maybe, maybe some games are a little too simplistic to work with. Right. Right. Although, although, during episode one, we talked about one of the first major spectator sports was walking in America. Yeah. You know? And and that was about the that was entirely about the narrative, right? And it was about it was these exhaustion competitions, right? So we also mentioned, I think that that, that maybe there's an element of there's got to be some kind of suffering, some kind of breaking down of these bodies for our pleasure, kind of in a gladiatorial sense, right? You know that that adds an even more compelling uh, uh, reason to 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 watch if we see a, a human getting wasted at, at our for for our entertainment. It's like an element of that as well, right? Yeah. I think that 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 um sports are nothing more than 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 um like what you were saying, let me start over. First I want to say ESPN has done a lot to push the to push the bound push the boundaries of what is a sport, right? ESPN shows bowling and uh and uh and and poker, right? Yeah, I mean you can you might even say they ultimately are the true they they are the 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 define they are the ones who really have the final say on it um but may, but although with the grand, you know at the grandstanders are the ones that are pushing for it they are the ones who give it the final stamp maybe right and ultimately what sorry to have to put it this way they're they're not really spectating the sport or spectating the spectacle everything around it espn right yeah. they've they've become masters at understanding a spectacle and 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 making it grow just by by uh, snappy camera angles and cool statistics and creating uh, narratives and characters that are uh, that 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 we are eager to follow, right? Right, in the, the same way what CNN and Fox and all of them are doing do with presidential elections now. Right. the 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 arc of the of the of the game of the of the sport of of a game of a competition. Is is nothing more than than an ancient, tried and true uh, tragedy, right? Like a Greek tragedy, right? And we've talked about this a lot, but I think I think that that so there's the issue of stamina. Does the sport have the stamina? Does the sport uh, sacrifice something on our behalf, right? Is there is there maybe part of the reason why football still resonates so much with us is that. That it that it, there's an element of of these bodies being destroyed and messed up for our entertainment. There's, there's a, it's it's a very visceral gladiatorial thing that we I think whether we want to or not we connect to it right whether we agree with it or not. There's an element of like of this is a very primal thing that we somehow are really. I mean the Romans figured it out and the Americans figured it out. People fucking love violence, right? Yeah. Especially if it's put in an arena where it. It's it's somebody else getting their ass kicked and not you, right? Right. And then we obviously we can't really we can't kill people on the field anymore. We can we can kill them uh, slowly behind the curtain. Uh, but I feel like there's the the element of the tragedy and it the the upping of the ante happens when the athletes is, are sacrificing themselves for us. I saw an image of a gymnast who broke. I think it was a was man or woman. I just remember seeing the leg. I remember the, basically his legs twisted into two parts, bones about to pop out, and you know it had like a hundred million views. Right, we're all going like, uh, you know. And I just thought, yeah, that person did it for us. 
<laughs> like that person like went through all that trouble. Probably this tired, beaten body just couldn't handle one more jump, and it it broke for us. And now we click a million times and say, "Yeah." And it, there's that element of the tragedy of 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 uh, of that that the that sports gives us that um, maybe does it in a much more visceral way than film or what other art form can transport you to that experience of of you know. Life is a series of, of, of wins and losses or tragic events. Yeah, I think that's that's an excellent point. And, I, and, and, uh, and perhaps it's because it's as opposed to film and the theater and, and these, other, these other mediums through which we can get that, we can experience that. It's, it's the one that it's, it's one of those uh, it's the one where it's still real. Purports right? to be real, right? Right. Well, yes, like there, I mean, there is. As opposed to those, there is a, a degree of uh, there is a uh, definitely it's they're, they're definitely more real in, in in certain ways. But as we you know as we've talked about in the last episode, you know the, the um, sometimes you know the, the the more people are involved, um, the, the more something becomes susceptible to being to, for the realness of it to be manipulated. Um, but but yeah, I think I think that that that's definitely. Um, we we it's and, and when it comes to to successful sports, the ones that are able, able to become big spectacles, it's that balance. It's a balancing between, as you point out, this our primal um, attraction towards um, towards violence. But depending on the culture, depending on the place and time that this is taking place, we also at the same time we create these these limitations where we go, we get to certain points where we go, you know what? People should not do that anymore. Right. We should not do that to ourselves. Um, we, we create, whether it be moral or ethical or, or, you know, for, you know, usually stemming from health reasons or, or moral reasons. Um, and so the successful sports are the ones that are able to provide people with that, with something that, that instinctually resonates with them, but at the same time conforms to the, the cultural, uh, the cultural boundaries that we have over what is acceptable and what is not, and that's why and NBA is in a good place in that sense. And does the does the does the I agree does the does the sport do more to shape the the new the new uh, the new archetypes or metaphors of the society, or does the does the sport ultimately uh, in a way find 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 its find a way to finds a way to conform to what the society wants of it, mm. you know. And and does is the grandstand saying, you know what? We're still Americans. We still want to see ourselves as as uh, purveyors of 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 brute force, and we're, we'll we'll get you under every condition, under any we'll, we'll get you no matter what, no holds barred approach. And and we want our games and our national pastime basketball to reflect that. Or does basketball say, no, we're different. We're something else now. And and you are going to have to adapt. Man, that, that's a that's a great question. And I mean, just can off. I can I follow up with that, or you were going to yeah, say something? No, no, go for it. I was going to say uh, the other thing that I see the grandstand it, it in a traditional sense is is you know us spectating on our couches or in in the in the grandstand, um, but but those those lines are are being blurred. day every as more time passes and as as uh, as the the internet and the power of of um of digital interaction becomes bigger 
the lines between the field and the grandstand become blurred. And I'm going to use this example of, do you know the story about uh, the, the, the first time the, or the, when the, um, the, the Warriors won the finals? I guess, I don't know if it was the finals or a playoff game to get to the finals. Um, and, and I'm talking about when they beat, when they were champions. They, the, the CEO had created this, this culture at the Warriors, the CEO who's a, he's an, he's a, a tech guy, right? Did you know that? No. They're tech guys, and they have this completely new, supposedly innovative way of running a basketball team, right? And they took the Warriors and turned it around by kind of using um, not the same kind of uh, tactics, but 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 um, but uh, iconoclastic uh, 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 new ways of running a basketball organization. And what they did is essentially all voices need to be heard, right? Right, and that was kind of the culture that they created on this team, and 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 uh, meaning like at any moment anyone could have this incredible uh, insight into what this team needs to become more successful. And because of that, Steve Kerr, uh, the coach, apparently I forget if it was uh, if it was a an equipment guy or a, a videotape guy who worked for the Warriors said something about, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to make this up, but he essentially told Kerr after they were down they were down three games to one, he came up to him and he says, look, I'm noticing that this guy is not doing this thing, which is preventing that thing from that thing happening, and, and that's why we're losing. And Kerr listened to him, and he changed it, and they became the champions, right? Hmm. And I thought, what an interesting thing to kind of um, to talk about the, this, this grandstand and, and how it... it you know, everyone now, uh, look at us, here we are, we're pontificating and we're making, we're, we're forming opinions and making comments just because we can buy a microphone and, and upload it to the um, internet. Um, so we're all participants now and that, that line gets blurred between what is, what is, what is, what is my role now as a grandstander? Is it just for me to, am I just so out of touch that I only see my grandstanding as I want to go, I want to sit, I want to drink a beer and I'm going to wait for the outcome and then and follow all the little personal narrative, all the little tiny narratives that occur while this tragedy builds up and, and, and finds its, its conclusion. Um, is that just such a limiting, am I just so narrow-minded that I can't look past my spectating, my grandstanding? Is the grandstand... Now, because of this, the, the force of digital media, the grandstand is is seeping into the narrative of the of the sport of the of the spectating experience in such a way that now we have videotape guys telling the coach what he should do because he's been watching so much video. He's like, "Hey, coach, I mean, can I? Am I going to eventually be able to email um, AJ Preller and, and and tell him about uh, fixing homeboys? Uh, 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 who's who's left on the Padres? I can't even name a player." Will Myers. Will, Will, Will Myers, that's right. Um, can, am I going to be able to email in my suggestions? Uh, and, and then is Preller going to say, um, the fans have spoken. 59% of you think you should shorten up your stride. You know? Are we looking at a reality like that? Or are sports still going to tell us what our metaphors are going to be and we're just going to uh, have this loose sense of, yeah, we're participating because we get to vote on what shirt to wear on Friday. Uh, but really, that's all. The 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 guy at the Warriors uh, was an anomaly and not and not uh, not the rule. Yeah, no, that that's uh, I I I absolutely um, that that's exactly the direction in which I've, I've I I see us going in. Um, 
I mean, in a way, you kind of said this. So there, there, there's there's two things, and and I'll quickly just. I mean, right. to to what you were saying, what you had asked earlier. Yeah, I am. I am of the belief that it is. I don't think it is the the the, the NFL or the NBA that drive the, the 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 cultural narratives, but I think it's the other way. I, I think it is the the culture that does it. But but also, we are we're a big diverse culture that is constantly fighting with each other, or is in constant disagreement over how to define you know what it is to be American, uh, say here in, in American society. And so, um, and so those those battles end up playing out as far as say the NFL or the MLB or the NBA, you know, that they're, they have to figure out, okay, well, who's winning those culture wars within the society. And if our objective is to appeal to as many people as we can, well, then we need to, I think if, if we want to continue growing uh, or remain relevant, we have to adapt to the, to the, to the larger culture. I mean, sports is just one institution out of many. Um, and so I do think it's the it is the uh, so it's the grandstanders that 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 push um, in, in collectively, um, and so along with that to the to the second point that you're making, um, what's what is happening to grandstanders now is you know we've went from always watching our public figures on a screen to now having the tools to where we can be the ones on the screen. <laughs> and and that's become that's become the norm. Now we are all we forget that we're grand. We're, we're both now we're at simultaneously grandstanders and performers. Uh, we 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 um, we we're in both um, in both fields now. Um, and there's actually a uh, Michel Foucault uses the, the he's a, a sociologist who uses the the metaphor of the panopticon you know that prison structure yeah where there's you know the guards in the middle and the cell and the inmates all around and he was using that to just talk about how um how we you know we we evolve societies evolve from first punishing people like punishing the body to the pun to controlling the body to controlling the mind so the best way to to have control to exercise social control over a society is to control the way they think and to, mm -hmm. and to make people feel like they're always being watched right, right? and so the, so when you're in the in that in that prison structure you always guards eyes are potentially always on you right. and that and that shapes the way you think and the way you behave um so that's something that could be today applied to you know we are we are both the prisoners and the guards we now are watching what everyone else is doing on you know on their social media and and so we're the guards in that sense but we also are the prisoners in that we we we're also the performers now we're also the celebrities we're the athletes now where you know everything we do we do, we we publicize it and then we face the criticism the we we face the cheers or the boos for whatever it is that that we put out there and so um in, in sports, increasingly, the grandstanders want to be in on the show, like they they want to, right. um, which I think is exactly going to what you're what you're saying. And which sports are going to be able to, um, which sports are going to best be able to invite fan participation? Um, um, which sports have nothing to lose? I can think of the first one. Yeah, which baseball, right? Well, and and now the question is, how do you how would that be? How would that well, play out? Well, are, they're already kind of tinkering with this idea of of 
of speeding up the game, right? Mm-hmm. Which is for baseball, that's like that is that is like um, that is the the fastest they've ever moved on anything. They're like, oh my god, here we go. Let's think about updating the game, right? Because they're they're. I feel like baseball's so stodgy in its approach to things, and and everything they're suggesting is kind of it's so it's it it still hasn't hit the. The, it, it hasn't even hit its its initial stride. It's still kind of like, well, let's see if we can speed it up, right? But as they tinker with that more and more, what do you think? Do you think baseball will uh, eventually say, if we want to survive and stay in big three relevance, although baseball's doing really well financially, is that even going to be a thing? Will football be the one? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think, um, I mean, I guess... I guess a way to, to, cause now I'm thinking, all right, well, maybe it's not so much the grandstanders aren't so much trying to be the performers on the field, but rather how close it's, it's like we're, 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 we're pushing closer and closer to, um, now with, with the tools we have at our disposal, we can now play journalists. That's something that wasn't possible before. Like before all, all, you know, all the pundits and all the analysis, was was reserved for these certain authoritative figures who were the official like the professional journalists and they were the ones that that we had to listen to their narrative as to what the team's doing right what the team's doing wrong what the sport should be doing and so on um uh we've always we've always just grandstand amongst each other about that we've always played journalists and always played coach and manager like um, amongst each other within like our living rooms or at the bar um but I guess now, where 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 the where the grandstanders are moving, the 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 arena that they've moved into, which is a very really really critical um, aspect of the of the ecosystem, is is the the is is in the in the journalistic um, arena. Like we we have become the we've become the pundits, um, to where. Yeah, like tinkering with the speed, whatever. The Padres, you know, the, the Padres in the direction they've taken. How much of that has to do with the fact that that Bloggers United a few months ago? <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. The Bloggers United and were basically saying fire fire the owner, one of the owners. And and before we know it, that owner is meeting with the Bloggers, having a personal meeting with them. <laughs> and And I think before the the only way that the that that the customer was able to voice their their opinion was on the field um like was in within the stadium and you know with with through ticket sales and TV ratings um now you have now you and I can tweet AJ Preller can you know can uh, or I don't know if you can uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have Twitter but but um but you know what I mean like we can actually directly tweet the players the owners the coaches um uh, and then when people, uh, if enough fans band together, um, they they are now making their voice heard um, and and changing, you know, the way certain things, certain elements in sports are are playing out these days. So to your to your to a question you asked last episode is grandstanding a, is grandstanding because is that going to be the next sport and the ultimate spectacle? <laughs> right. I would say yes. I would I would put some money on that. And isn't it isn't it funny that that capitalism uh, found a way to uh, finds a way to co-opt everything? And it, it's funny that the the internet was was supposed to be this this way of, of interconnecting and exchanging information. 
and it's and it's uh, become essentially a tool for selling stuff. That's really that's its major use is to sell something, right? Yeah. Uh, whether they be actual tangible items or ideas, um, and then thanks to iTunes and to uh, and to a microphone, we're on, we are all now uh, we all now you know we we've we've become uh, part of the uh, the Marshall McLuhan narrative, you know, um, and and. It's interesting that that I, I say that about capitalism and the internet. It's it's like um, the digital revolution has made capitalism even more nimble in its response to its market. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like nimble and really responsive. You know, uh, remember the guy in the bicycle episode who said, uh, "What's the difference between an old bike and a new bike?" And he said, "The the 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 new bike is going to be more responsive." Right, it's going to respond more to what you ask it to do. Right, more, more sensitive. And yeah. yeah, more sensitive. Whereas an old bike is, you're, it's going to be beautiful because of um, because of other elements, the, the more of the nostalgic elements, which is kind of where I'm stuck in still. And then the new bike is going to be responsive to the things you want it to do, and it's the same thing with with uh, with with uh, the digital media and the internet. Is that the the the, the the sellers the marketers the the corporations they have they have a they have a device to really to immediately know what it is that's going to sell and what's not going to sell and and it's you know it's the internet it's like a, it's just become faster at anticipating what we want next right for sure and i think i think um well, let me mention this. The, the other institution that really was influenced by its grandstanders and, and even chose a new fucking leader was uh, the Catholic Church. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a perfect example of that, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the power of the grandstander, it, it also creates a very schizophrenic environment for uh, the grandstanders not um, maybe not at, so adept at, at understanding all the nuances of of what it what it means to be a digital uh, digitally fluent, right? It, it can be very overwhelming to somebody who didn't grow up with that. Mm-hmm. So it can be a very schizophrenic experience. Wait a minute, am I? So who 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 am I supposed to be observing the the uh, the commentators or uh, or the participants on the field, right? Right. And I think this gets at a at a at a bigger question that we have, we've asked ourselves before, and 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 um, we watch for the tragedy, but we also, like you said, we watch for the real. But isn't it really fascinating that our efforts to connect, even on a much deeper level, in, even in a, be it schizophrenic or not, I feel like it's very schizophrenic experience for me. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not being facetious. I really do have a hard time connecting to the to the uh, to the to the jacked up uh, fandom on steroids. Um, it, isn't it funny that these are all attempts or efforts at getting to something that's more and more real? And I think we mentioned this in the wrestling episode. It's like we want to be able to. So some something about being able to tweet AJ Preller makes it more real. Like wow, I'm really connected to this experience. This makes it more uh, 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 more visceral, more real. I keep using that word, but um, we're. Our efforts to get closer to 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 erase that line between the grandstand and the field are are motivated by these feelings of wanting something real, wouldn't you say? Oh, most most definitely. And yet, the more the the harder we push against that, the the more the more of a spectacle we get, and and I would argue that uh, the further away we get from real. 
Hmm. Yeah. They say confusion is one of the most underappreciated states of being. And I'll explain why. Uh, we, we tend to think of confusion uh, uh, kind of similar to pain. Not, not, not that we associate them, but they, you can. But confusion is, is, is a state that we don't want to be in, right? We want to get as far away from confusion anytime it comes into our sphere of, of, uh, of, 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 of our psychology because confusion is, uh, is, is, is very disconcerting and it's, it can be painful. Um, so we do everything to rationalize or to be in denial about something. Uh, so that we can get back to a place of homeostasis. But I say that ho- uh, confusion is a wonderful thing. It's one of the most undervalued, underappreciated states of being because confusion, and I'm not talking about Confucius, I'm talking about confusion. Um, confusion is a state of what, however which way you feel about it, it's inevitable that change is coming, right? That something new is, is on the horizon and however which way you may feel, ironically, I happen to be a big fan of the new, even though I love tradition and I love to, to, to be the first voice of dissent and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, before we expand in every single direction, let's think about this. Let's be more measured with, with, uh, with this decision. And I'm happy that there are people in this world who don't give a shit about the past and they just want to keep going forward. It's a good counterbalance. But confusion, the kind of confusion I think being experienced by the grandstanders by, by all of the, the spectators of the spectating spectacle is good because something new and something different is, is, is on the horizon and it can only be uh, uh, something, something that we cannot anticipate. And I will use this as a story and I'm going to get out of here. Uh, during, right before the Model T was invented, uh, or not invented, but before the assembly line and the Model T uh, became as ubiquitous as... as, uh, as um, as any whatever insert whatever ubiquitous thing you want there, but um, there was a problem in in uh, in major cities, especially in in New York City. There was a problem with the pollution of of the horse manure or the the dung, the the shit, horse shit all over the place, right? Um, and that was a major, huge problem that engineers and uh, uh, urban urban uh, what do you call ur- uh, people urbanists urbanists were were trying to figure out. What the fuck are we gonna do about this problem of shit everywhere? It's 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 a it's it's a it's a health hazard. It's it looks bad. It's it it's just this is becoming overwhelming. We have so many fucking buggies, so many horses in the city that we we don't know what the fuck is gonna do and and, and what's what's gonna happen, what the future is gonna hold for us. And there was people who sit around and 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 talk about you know what the fuck are we gonna do? What is this world gonna look like? And that, of course, was remedied by the fact that the Model T was assembled very quickly and people could have it and it was affordable. And this problem that people spent all this time, energy, and effort on of, of solving the horseshit problem became null and void uh, by a new innovation on the scene. And, and that is what I think we don't really there, – there's something beneath the surface of all of this conversation that we can't see or anticipate yet. Hell, it might be us. It might be Grandstand. I fucking would love to think that we can, we can take a stab at it. What is it going to be and can we forecast it before anybody else sees it? I challenge all our grandstanders and I challenge the professor to, to, to we can lead the way. We can, we can point the direction and we've already kind of made some gestures in one way or another. But 
I feel like we can be on the on the cutting edge of where that is going, and wouldn't it be nice to anticipate it? Uh, they say that the railroads, the reason they became obsolete, was because the the, the robber the robber barons the the railroad tycoons the reasons why they didn't survive a lot of them, uh, the 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 advent of the car was that because they didn't understand their business, they were not in the train business they were in the moving people business the transportation business and if they had only thought of their of what they provided as movement of people and not movement of people and trains then maybe their story would have been different so as as grandstanders and as grandstand podcasts and as uh as the future fans of of the spectating spectacle maybe we need to think of ourselves not only just as fans anymore to see what uh, what the future holds so that we can continue to be entertained by the spectating spectacle that's it for me unless the professor has something to say well said um i i anticipate i anticipate the day when when podcasting becomes a sport and then a spectacle and and we're 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 having podcasters podcast about other podcasters, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna have a blog all about it. Uh, check out check out the website. Uh, send us your questions. Um, send us pictures if you have images of your grandstanding. We want to put together a portfolio of a grandstanding of summer, and it'd be nice if if we could have images from everyone um, to the three listeners of you. I've already sent you a text on this, but uh, if in case I miss somebody, uh, please uh, check in and be on the lookout for the dispatches or what did we call them? Uh, entries. Uh, thank you, Professor. It was a wonderful season, and we'll be back in October. We're out. No tears, no fears. Remember, there's always tomorrow. So what if we have to part? We'll be together again. Your kiss, your smile, our memories I'll treasure forever, so try thinking with your heart, we'll be together again. Times when I know you'll be lonesome Times when I know you'll be sad Don't let temptation surround you Don't let the blues make you bad someday some way we both have a lifetime before us for parting is not goodbye 